we make for privacy. There are fences that we make for protection. There are fences that we build that are simply for decoration. We use fences to keep our stuff in, and we use fences to keep other things out of our stuff. Um, Fences are everywhere. I'm not the most country person that you ever saw. My accent would tell you different. But I, but I, even I have jumped a fence or two in my life. Fences are everywhere around here. There's a popular saying, and, and you probably know it, and I, I strongly believe in it. It ought to be in the Bible. Um, but good fences make good neighbors. Isn't that the truth? If there was ever something that was the truth, good fences make good neighbors. Because aren't the best neighbors really the ones that know where your property ends and theirs begins. And they're not, now I lived in an apartment, I live in an apartment, but isn't it good when when the people aren't leaving their dirty diapers on your front porch um, because they left them out to dry hanging over the side? It's Your front porch is not their property after all. Isn't it good when they know that that the boat motor and your... um, where you keep your boat isn't theirs. Um, my dad could tell you a story about that. Um, but, but good fences make good neighbors. Aren't the best neighbors the ones that mind their own business? I think we can all agree on that. The best neighbors mind their own business. And, um, and if that is true for our natural neighbors or our people that we see every day, if it's true for people that probably for the most part do mean us well, then that phrase is certainly true for our spiritual neighbors. Good fences make the best spiritual neighbors because we have got a neighbor that likes to meddle with our stuff. We have a neighbor who feels like he's always got to know what's going on in our lives, that's always got to put his nose in other people's business. We've got a neighbor who is who is dangerous to leave alone around our family. We've got a spiritual neighbor in Satan who would like nothing more than to destroy in a moment what we've spent a lifetime building. Good fences make good spiritual neighbors. And can I tell you this morning that if we want to put a fence up around our cocker spaniel and we want to put a fence up around our carrots, we better put a fence up around our family as well. We better trust in a God that will put up a fence around our stuff and around our lives and around our children. There are things more important in our lives than our vegetables and our pets, and that is our family. I'm thankful for a God that builds fences. The Bible tells us that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Did you know this morning that that when we put our faith in the name of Jesus, He puts up walls, a fence, if you will, around us. When we are born again, we don't just become paying tenants at God's great duplex, if you will, but but we become sons and daughters in the kingdom of God. God's not interested in putting up a white picket fence around your life, but when we trust in Him and we are born again, He puts up castle walls around His people. 
It is a kingdom. It's not something that you can just go up to and jump. It's not something that the devil can just cross anytime he wants. But God puts real protection around his people. It might seem like that, that, that the devil can just come in when he wants, but, but that's really not true when we are born Again, it's not that way. At school, we have something called a hall pass. I know some people in here probably got in trouble for moving around the school without a hall pass, but that we have them. And we don't let, we don't let children or, or anybody just wander around the school wherever they will. If you want to go somewhere in a school, and I'm sure it's the same other places, but you have to have a hall pass. You have to have the right, the right document. You have to have permission to do that. And, and we read in the Bible that, that the devil has to have the same thing. The devil has to have a hall pass, if you will, to be active in your life. He has to have permission. We read it in the story of Job that we read. Um, Jesus asked the devil, and he says, you know, have, have you considered my servant Job because Satan had been roaming around the world finding or looking to find someone that he could, he could tempt and he could try. And, and so Jesus says, have you considered my servant Job? And the devil says something so very interesting to me as a Christian. He says, hast, thou, hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? The devil says, sure I've heard about him, but I can't do anything to him. I've heard about a lot of people, but you won't let me, you won't allow me to touch him. And that ought to make us feel real good this morning. When you're sending your children off to school, that ought to make you feel real good. When you're going to work, that ought to make you feel real good. That the devil can't do anything to you when you are living for God that God does not give him permission to do. God didn't, we got to understand this story because, because God didn't let Job get tempted just to let him get tempted. He didn't do it because he didn't like Job, but he did it because he knew Job would get through it. He knew of all the people that he had for him, God knew that Job would make it. And so if this morning and this week it feels like you've just had one thing after another, after another, after another, it's not because God doesn't like you, but he knows that you're going to get through it. He knows that the devil cannot do anything to you, and he won't allow him to do anything to you that's going to take you down. It's a powerful, it's a powerful thought. You know, the story of Job is, is it's so interesting to me because... You have this man, and he's living for God, and we, and we try so hard to do it, and, and we, you know, we come to church week after week, and I think we feel this way sometimes. I think Job had to feel this way, that, that God, you know, abandoned him at times. His friends, his wife certainly did. But God knew that, that all along when Job got through it, he was going to have twice as much, and it twice as good as he ever had it before. And I wonder if, as church people, we can start looking at adversity in our life 
from that lens. That when I see things coming against me, and when I feel things coming against me, that I know that God is just preparing a better future for me than I could have ever prepared for myself. God didn't simply restore Job to where he was before, but he gave him better than he ever had it. When God lets you go through a trial, He not only knows you're going to get through it, but He knows that He's going to give it to you better than you ever had it before. You might be hurting this morning, but you're going to have it better than you ever had it before. You might be going through something this morning, but you're going to have it better than you ever had it before. You might feel distant from God this morning, but you're going to be closer to Him than you ever have before. You might have friends and family that are out of church, but they're going to be closer to Him than they ever have before. God built a fence around Job, and the devil couldn't do anything that he didn't get permission to do. There is coming a day in our lives that, that God is going to tell Satan to mind his own business. There's coming a day in your life, if you're feeling pressure this morning, that God's going to say, enough is enough. You have tried them enough. You have tested them enough. And now I'm ready to give them better than they've ever had before. I wonder this morning if we can begin to, to just pray that prayer that, that, that God would build a fence around us, that, that God would tell the devil to, to leave us alone and our family alone and our friends alone and our, our, our church alone and our city alone. God wants to do that for each and every one of us. We're going to get it better than we ever have before. I wish this morning that, that we would just we would begin to thank him for a moment for, for letting us be in this house today. Not all of us had the best week, but we're here. And we're here for no other reason than God built a fence around our lives. We found ourselves in the house of God today because Jesus built a fence around us. Our kids are in church today because Jesus built a fence. Oh, and I wonder if as Pentecostals in, in 2016, if we could have that grateful spirit that said, Thank you, God, for building a fence for me. Thank you for giving me a pastor that built a fence. Thank you for giving me family that have built a fence. Thank you for protecting me. Thank you for keeping me all these times when I probably didn't deserve to be kept. Because God doesn't just build fences around people that deserve it. No. He protects everybody. So many times in my life, and, and I'm sure you could probably say the same if you've been in this before. If, if you've ever been saved, you know this is true. But God built fences in our lives that we did not deserve. And we can be assured that if He did it for us, that He's going to do it for our family and for our children for the other people at church. For lost loved ones, he's going to do the same for them. He built a fence for us. He didn't let the devil take us to a place that we couldn't come back from. And he's not going to do it for them either. God built a fence. 
And I wonder if we can lift our hands and just and just be thankful for that. Thank you, Jesus, for protecting me and bringing me through all kinds of, of mess that I shouldn't have got through. And thank you for bringing me to a place where I can be a son or a daughter in your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus, for building a fence and being a fence in my life. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody thank Him for that fence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so thankful for that fence that that He's built to protect me, to protect my family. I'm so thankful that God provides that protection, that He provides that refuge that we can run to when when the world gets, gets pretty tough on you. When Satan starts attacking you, God provides that place of refuge that fence, that protection. Psalms 46 and 1 takes it a little bit of a step further. It says God is our refuge. God is our refuge, but it doesn't stop there. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. So not only is God our refuge, not only does God build up that fence to protect us, to be our refuge, but He is also our strength. He keeps us safe. But he also loves fighting battles for his children. He loves while we're sitting in there safe inside that fence, while he's got his covering all around about us, he goes out there and fights our battles for us. Hallelujah. There's a lot of examples that I could, that I could bring you to in the Scripture, as I'm sure that Brother Clinton could have. But in the, in the interest of time, I'm going to take you to one that I find is one of the most powerful instances of this in the Scripture. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, uh, I'm going to go through these verses pretty quick. 2 Chronicles 20 uh, verse 5 is where we're going to start. It says, And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. In the house of the Lord before the new court. And said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might? so that none is able to withstand thee. Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help me and help. And now, he was, he was kind of recapping all this stuff. God, I praise you for what you've done. I praise you for your promises that you've given to us. Kind of just recapping, Lord, I, I know you're able. I know you're powerful. And then he gets to the situation that Judah had at that moment. It says, And now, behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say how they reward us to come cast us out of thy possession which thou hast given us to inherit. See, these people that God had not allowed the Israelites to destroy when they first claimed the the promised land, now they were coming to throw the people of God out. And it wasn't just one group of people. It was several groups of people that were all teaming up together to get rid 
of God's people, to throw them out of the land of their inheritance, the land that God had given them. It was too much. They were outnumbered. It was a situation that if you looked at it by earthly numbers, in a military sense, the the people of Judah didn't stand much of a chance. But in verse 12, after he explains this situation, he says, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do. Oh, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. They said, you know what? We can't do this. We don't have the might. We don't have the power. We don't have the ability to defeat this enemy that's coming against us. But God, we don't know what to do. We don't have a strategy that's going to work. We haven't learned how to deal with this situation. But God, our eyes are upon Thee. We're looking to You, God, because we know all the times that You brought us through before. We know all the battles that You fought for us in the past. We know all the things that against impossible odds You brought us through. And God, we're looking to You for the answer this this time too because we know that You're going to come through us again. A lot of times it's hard to admit our shortcomings, our weaknesses, the things that we can't handle on our own the things that we need help with, the things that we're struggling with. It's hard to ask for help sometimes. You know, growing up, I'm sure every one of us have been taught to be, if you're a man, you've been taught to be a manly man. If you're a woman, you've been taught you need to be an independent woman. You need to be able to take care of yourself. And that's just, part, that's just a part of our culture. And I'm not saying that any of those things are bad things. Uh, there's nothing inherently wrong with those things, but yet... Despite that, here we have Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah. He was David's great-great-great-grandson, a direct descendant of the mighty King David. He was the king of Judah. He was a man of great power. Just three uh, chapters earlier in 2 Chronicles 17, it says, So Jehoshaphat became increasingly powerful, and he built fortresses and storage cities in Judah. He did that. Jehoshaphat did that. He had much property in the cities of Judah, and the men of war, mighty men of valor, were in Jerusalem. He had the fortresses. He had the storage. He had all the supplies. He had the mighty men of valor. Yet here he stood in front of all the people that he ruled over. He was in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in front of all the men, all the wives, all their children, that he was their ruler. He was the one that they were looking to, saying, give us a plan. Give us a strategy so that we can defeat these people. And in front of all of these people that he was the leader of, he stood there and admitted, I don't know what to do. I don't have the answer. I'm not sure what to tell you. These are great people that are coming against us. And I'm not sure what to do. But then he said, so God, we're looking to you. I'm looking to you. I don't have the answer, but I know that you do. You know, that had to be hard to admit as the man an entire nation of people looked to for answers. But for him to humble himself like that, for a mighty man, 
a powerful man to humble himself before God and cry out to him and say, God, you've taken care of me in the past. You've taken care of my family so many times. And God, I don't know how we're going to get through this situation that we're in, but God, I'm looking to you. God, I'm counting on you. I'm depending on you, Jesus. You know that God was going to respond to a cry like that. And let's look at how he did. Later on in that same chapter, then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, Levite of the son of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. God showed up. He cried out, and God showed up. And he said, Hearken ye, all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou, King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed, by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours. I'm taking that out of your hands. The battle is not yours, but it's God's. He took the battle, that the great multitude that was coming against him, and he said, you know what? This isn't even your fight anymore. You stay there. You stay inside that fence. You stay where it's safe. I'm going to go out. Daddy's going to go out and take care of this situation. And then in, in verse 21, and when he had consulted with the people, talking about Jehoshaphat, he appointed singers. He said, you know what? If we're not going to go out and fight, This is what we're going to do. He appointed singers unto the Lord that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And I want you to notice the first part of this verse. And when they began to sing and to praise, not when they went out and and drew their swords, when they began to sing and praise, the Lord said ambushments, against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. They all turned against each other. That was no coincidence. That was God that orchestrated that whole thing. God heard the cry of his people. God heard the cry of Jehoshaphat. And he delivered all the people from this huge threat. And they did not even have to draw their sword. They didn't have to fight the battle. And you know, God's people might not have realized it at that point, but they were inside the mighty fence of Jesus Christ. And while they were inside that fence, while they were singing praises to God, While they were singing praises to the God who had delivered them so many times before. He hadn't delivered them yet in this circumstance. It didn't say before they sang praise he defeated them and then they sang praise. They started singing praise for what he was about to do. And while they were there inside that fence singing praises, God was outside moving in their situation, fighting for them. And I want you to know, whatever you're facing right now, I want to assure you of something. Jesus is standing at the ready. You don't have to beg. You don't have to plead for his help. All Jehoshaphat did was talk to God and say, Lord, I remember all those times in the past. I remember all those times that you brought us through before. I remember the time that you helped my family. I remember the time that... We didn't know where the money was, come from, was going to come from, and it just showed up. 
I remember all those things that you did for me. I remember the time that you showed mercy to me personally. I know all the things that you've done for me before. And I praise you for what you're about to do. And I just need your help. I don't know what to do. This situation I'm facing is too big for me. I don't have the answer, but I know you do. So I'm looking to you for the answer. Let's stand together. The situation that you may be facing right now, it may be serious. It may be a huge situation. It may be completely overwhelming, something you've never faced before. But I have good news today. While God is protecting you, He's also fighting for you. There's no situation that my God cannot turn around. There's no need that's too big for Him to meet. There's no problem that's too far gone because my God is strong. My God is mighty. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And He is fighting for you today. He's fighting for me today. He's fighting for Sanctuary Church today. While we're safe here inside this sanctuary, inside this fence, we don't know what's going on outside these four walls. We don't know what God, what situations God is moving in. What people God is moving on their heart to change the situation that we're in. We don't know the things that God is doing in our bodies right now or maybe for a loved one that's somewhere else. We don't know what God is speaking, what words God is speaking to them right now as we're safe inside this fence. We don't know the battles that God is fighting for us right now. But I do believe that God is working. He's fighting for us right now. As you stand here today, you're inside the fence. You're safe inside the fence. I like what Brother Clinton said, whether you deserve it or not. I'm sure there's a lot of people who, if I ask you to, I'm not going to, but if I ask you to, that if I said how many people don't deserve it, there'd probably be a lot of hands go up. But it doesn't matter. You're Right now, you're inside this fence because God loves you. You're inside His protection. But while you stand here inside this fence, God may very well be answering the very need that you've been praying, that you've had come to your mind in this service today. He may be moving in your situation, answering your prayer. I wonder if there's anybody who would say, I've got faith today that God is moving. God is fighting for me. God's keeping me safe. There may be a need in your body today. I want you to know God is fighting for you. There may be a financial need, something that, that you're facing in your family. God is fighting for you. If you've got a spiritual need, something that's going on inside you that you don't know what the answer to it is, God is fighting for you. Maybe you've got a need in your family, a lost loved one or or, or some friction going on, or, or whatever the case may be in your family. Maybe your family just needs an answer, needs God's help on something. God is fighting for you. And I want to call your attention back to verse 22 of Second Chronicles chapter 20. When did God fight and win the victory for the people of Judah? It was in when they began to sing and praise. 
They didn't wait for the battle to be over. But they said, I know he's done it before. So I'm going to start praising. I'm going to start praising for the victory right now. Because I know he's done it time and time again. I know he's brought us out. I know of all the times. I remember of all the times where it looked like it was impossible. And God brought me through. And I'm looking back at those times. And I'm looking at this situation. And I'm looking at you, God. And I know that you're well able to meet this need. I know that you can bring me out of this situation. I know that you can touch my body. I know that you can touch my family. I know that you can meet my need. So I'm looking to you, God. I wonder if you could just turn to somebody. And, and I don't want this to be a time where we're just we're just sad and crying over each other's need. But I want you to, to look at them, take them by the hand, take them by the shoulder, and just look at them in the eyes and say, I'm praising God for your victory today. I'm praising God for, the, for meeting your need. And I wonder if we could just lift our hands and praise Him today. Lord, I thank you, God, for meeting my brother's need. I thank you for meeting my sister's need. God, you've come through so many times for us in the past. You've come through time and time again. And Lord, I know that you're going to come through for them. I know that you're going to come through for me yet again, Jesus. Lord, I don't have the answer. When I walk out of these doors, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this problem. But God, I'm looking to you today. I'm looking at you today. If you are here today and there is a need in your life, I am telling you that we serve the God who can meet every need. He can meet every need. And there is no enemy. There is no battle. There is no circumstance. There is no thing that is too hard for our God. I am glad to know today When I walk out these doors today, it's not just when I'm in here, but when I walk out these doors today, Jesus is going to be a fence around me. It doesn't matter where I go, Jesus is a fence. Let me tell you, let me tell you how He works and how He operates. Three Hebrew children said, if you're telling us we have to bow to your idol." And if we don't bow to your idol, you're going to throw us in your furnace. You're going to burn us alive. That's what we're telling you. Matter of fact, we're going to heat it seven times hotter. They said, well, you just do what you got to do. But as for us, we're just going to trust in the Lord. Because we have a heritage that says He brought us out of Egyptian bondage. And He brought us through a Red Sea. And He went with us through a wilderness for 40 years. And He helped us drive out inhabitants of a land. And we've got the testimony of what all God has done in our life. And what you don't understand, Mr. King, is that everywhere we've ever gone, God's hand has been upon us. And He has been a fence for us everywhere and any time we needed Him to. So we're going to go in your fiery furnace. You don't have to play the music again because we're not going to bow. 
We won't go in your fiery furnace. We'll go in your furnace because we're not going to kneel to your idol. And the king, he played music. He gave them a chance. They wouldn't bow. He said, throw them in the fire. And he, in go, into the fire goes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But there was a God who went with them. And in the middle of their fiery trial, Jesus was being a fence all around them. Did we not throw three in? But I see four. And the fourth looks like the Son of Man. Who was that? That was Jesus. What are you doing, Jesus? I'm just here to protect what's mine. I just came to keep what's mine. And I came to let you know today that our great and mighty God, He is here today. He is here to keep what belongs to Him. You don't belong to the devil. You don't belong to the enemy. You don't belong to that situation. That situation belongs to you. The devil doesn't have his foot on you, but you're going to have your foot on him. And our God is here today. Our God is here today. And whatever it is that you came with a need, I wish you'd step out from where you are. I wish you'd get to the front of this church. And I wish you'd come with a shout, understanding that Jesus is my fence. Come on, church. Let's step from where we are. Let's come with a shout of praise. Let's come with a song. Let's come rejoicing. Jesus. Jesus.